The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation he provides for all who submit to him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. Hey guys, welcome back to The Way BK podcast where we've been discussing the gospel of Mark. Um, We're talking about following the way of Jesus and uh, following his footsteps. And we left off in Mark chapter 10 and verse 32. If you can go back to the beginning, um, first half of Mark is full of Jesus' mighty works. Mm -hmm. There's like 22 different stories of miracles that Jesus did. Um, And these, these works are meant to answer the question, who is Jesus? We're learning about who is Jesus. He's the Christ, the Son of God. Um, really, from chapter 8 on, there's kind of a turning point, and um, Jesus begins to talk a lot more about why he came right. and what his purpose is in this world. We're going to get another one of those, um, those uh, places here in Mark chapter 10 and verse 32. They're on the road. They're going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus is walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who were followed him were afraid. Uh, and taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was going to happen, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. Jesus is now helping the people to understand um, the, uh, he, he's a unique kind of king, right? not the king that they were expecting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, like you said, I think if you start from the end of Mark 8 to the end of Mark 10, I think there's five different instances right. where he reiterates this, which is a lot. It is. Especially because you don't get any explicit references. There's maybe some allusions to it earlier. I mean, there's that one reference where there'll be a time when the sun is not with you and you should you should fast then, that kind of stuff. But it's not as explicit as this. Right. And then five times, bang, 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 he keeps saying it because he wants us to understand, hey, all the things you've learned about who I am, my power, my mercy, my grace, my wisdom, my goodness, all that stuff, it's all coming to a head by giving myself on a cross. And like you said, my kingship, which I've demonstrated, which has been the thing Mark has been interested in making sure we understand about the story of Jesus. He's the one who came announcing the kingdom of heaven. He's the one who was anointed by the Spirit at his baptism, coronated to be king. He has authority over everything. Even the the spirits are, are subject to him. Diseases, the natural world, everything is subject to him. The path to his kingship is through the cross. That's right. And this really comes out. And besides that, he's not just saying, hey, you should know this about me. But if you're going to follow in my way, you need to know that any path to greatness for you or fullness or exaltation or whatever you want to call it, it's going to come through the cross as well. It passes through the cross of Christ. Yeah. That really comes to a head. Um, so, I don't know. First of all, Jesus is talking about this a lot, and you'd think that the disciples would get it, uh, but they don't really get it, and they, and they certainly don't get what it means for them. Um, and, and that comes to, to, to light in Mark chapter 10 and in verse 35, where two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, come up to him and they say, Hey, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in glory. Man, these two guys, these two guys are characters. Jesus is sitting here telling, I mean, get the picture here. Jesus is telling you about him being the king that's headed to the cross. 
I've come here, I'm going to serve, I'm serving you, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And their response is, hey, Jesus, you know, um, we want you to do whatever, whatever we ask. Can we sit at your right hand and at your left in your glory? Um, and all the other guys, I mean, they, they were just kind of upset. They didn't think to ask first. Verse 41 right. says, hearing this, the other ten began to feel indignant because these two guys asked for it. I think you're right. It is wild that Jesus emphasized this so much. And, and they're still thinking about, well, how can we grab a, a, a piece of, of really nice real estate for ourselves, a really good, powerful seat? Of course, then I think about looking in the mirror, and I'm like, wow, I sing all the Jesus songs. I take the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. I talk about the gospel. How often, how easy is it to forget that this is the deal and to not have this kind of mentality, to That's not right. allow myself to slip into a me-first mentality, um, a power and prominence mentality, uh, let me get mentality rather than let me give. I mean, this is so easy to slip into, and I think that's why this story is so vital right. for us to, to see how easy it is to miss the point of Jesus' cross and his kingship and therefore miss the whole point of discipleship, really. Well, and that's, I think, the point of the question he asked them in verse 38. You, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism of which I'm baptized? What they didn't realize was that actually Jesus' moment of glory, Jesus being crowned with glory, was going to happen first yeah. when with people on his right and his left hanging on a cross. Yep. They, they, don't, they don't understand what they're asking for. You want to be great? You want to be in glory? Well, it comes through the cross. And mm -hmm. so this theme that we're seeing here in this section is that Jesus is king, but he's a servant king. He's a sacrificial king. He's a king on a cross. And if we're going to take that path, it, we're going to have to. If we're going to choose to follow Jesus, then we're going to have to take the same path that He took. That's the whole point of the conversation from uh, from verse thirty nine on, where Jesus down to verse forty five, where uh, Jesus calls them to Himself in verse forty two, and He says, "You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you." Whoever would be great among you must become your servant. And whoever would be first among you must become slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Yeah, I mean, he hits us so heavy here. I mean, he, and, he, and he talks about it in such uh, definite and practical kinds of terms. All right? Uh, greatness, what's the best way to be great? Well, become nothing. Become a servant. Verse uh, 43, right? If you want to become prominent, become a servant. That's right. Well, that actually gives me some, some really uh, practical measurements of whether or not I actually care about greatness according to Jesus. Because a servant, it's not just a title that you claim, although I think a lot of us now probably in our, in our culture, we even talk about servants, uh, like civil servants or public servants or servants in church. People talk about ministers, that kind of thing. It's just a title. But it's not just a title, it's a description of a lifestyle. Right. What is a servant? A person who serves. Am I somebody who's living in the way of Jesus? Am I somebody who understands what the, the cross means or what the kingship of Jesus really means? Well, look at my life. Do I serve other people? Do I give and whatever's left over, if there's anything left over, then that's for me. Right. That's what a servant does. A servant right. doesn't get in first in line. They get in the back of the line. Whoever will be first will be last, that kind of stuff. This is great. I mean, it's not great in terms of being very enjoyable most of the time, but it's great because it's a practical, real-life way of thinking about, okay, do you get it? Do you get the gospel? Do you get Jesus? Yeah. If you do, 
this has got to be your lifestyle. I'm a servant. I come last. I come at the end of the line because I, I see that's what my king has done. And if the king did it, what gives me any right not to do the same? Well, and really, as difficult as this sounds, this is good news. That's um, right. Yeah, that's we right. We just had uh, Martin Luther King Day pass, and Martin Luther King Jr. used to say about this, by that definition, everybody can be great right. because everybody can serve. All right, you want to be great in the kingdom? Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Here's how you do it, by becoming a servant. That's, that's available for every one of us. I think the point that you're making, though, is really important for us to think about. What does it mean for me to become a servant? Well, it means that I must decrease mm-hmm. so that others may increase, so that God's work can actually be accomplished. It means that I'm actually going to be giving up my way in, in order to do what is best for those who are around me. Mm-hmm. It means that I'm considering other people's interests more important than my own. Now, if that doesn't sound enjoyable to you, then you need, then, then you need to ask yourself, like, hey, what is really motivating the way that I live? And uh, the Bible says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, um, despising its shame. And the reason, the reason Jesus was able to endure the cross was because of the joy of loving us, the joy of laying down his life to save our souls. Nothing about that is easy. Nothing about that is, uh, ha- would make him happy or enjoyable sure. in the moment. But there's a joy that comes from a life of self-sacrifice. And Jesus is teaching us that. I think in our culture, we give a lot of lip service to this idea of servant leadership, mm-hmm. you know, um, which we get from Jesus. Um, but... In, in actuality, sometimes what that servant leadership ends up becoming very self-centered in terms of motiv- motivation um, and, and, and uh, self-promoting. Uh, uh, it's a way to too. trick people into doing what you want to do for that's your right. good. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. Well, and I do think, I think that's a good point you bring up, too, just that how this gets co-opted by the world and maybe a little bit uh, corrupted by the world. We also need to know that this is, like many things Jesus said, but this is maybe the biggest way that Jesus, one of the biggest ways, that the way of Jesus is different than the way of the world. And he points that out, right. verse 42. You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles or the nations or everybody else, Jesus is saying, they do it one way. But if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to do it this way. And that's such an important thing that maybe especially for those of us who've lived in some sort of context where there's a lot of people who at least profess Jesus or even sincerely are seeking to live by the way of Jesus. And there's a lot of values of Jesus kind of embedded in a lot of cultural things, at least kind of mixed in with other stuff, we can get the sense that like, oh, well, the world around me is pretty much Christian, so I shouldn't have to be that different from everybody else. It's not. The world is not. It's not that different from how it was for Jesus. Uh, Jesus' day, I mean, and uh, we need to make sure we keep in the forefront of our minds, I have to be living a different way than the world around me. And that it pertains to everything, our ethics about money and sex and forgiveness and everything. But it certainly, it relates to the notion of what greatness looks like yes. uh, and the necessity of sacrificing yourself, being a servant, being a slave, coming last. That is totally antithetical to a world that's dominated by talk of personal rights and freedoms, of getting what's yours and what you deserve and what's best for you and loving yourself and all that kind of stuff, which right. is a part of our cultural lingo. And some of that, I understand why it gets brought up, but it's really backwards from the way of Jesus. Jesus says, you got to get in the back of the line. You are going to lose in this world if you're going to follow me. That's right. And he's not just going to, he's not just telling us that. He's telling us, I am doing that. Now come follow me. Let's yeah. go. Let's, let me get you into something even better than this world. 
don't stay caught up in the ways of the world. To, to that point, I, I think oftentimes when people talk about today servant leadership, or even if you read books on servant leadership, there's a lot of popular books that have been written on this topic. Um, generally, the, the, the promise is, or at least the hope is that in these writings that, you know, if you serve in this kind of way, if you lead in this kind of way as a servant, then you'll get... Right. You'll get something out of this. This is actually going to make your world. company better. Yeah. This is actually going to make you more wealthy. This is actually going to make you more popular, more more fruitful in your work. And uh, and actually, th- the whole point of all of this is to say that Jesus didn't get anything out of this. That's right. Except the joy of loving and saving us. You know, there there's no real value, no real um, wealth. There's no real benefit that comes from a life of self-sacrifice, except the joy of pleasing the Lord yeah. and of and, and of loving your neighbor as yourself. And I say that simply to say this, um, we've got to ask ourselves, am I content with that? Yeah. Like, is that really what I want more than anything else is to please the Lord, to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind, and to love my neighbor as myself? Um, Because if it is, then I'll follow the servant king into this path of service. Yeah. And there's this threshold we cross because you're right. Like, really, the only joy he had that fueled him on this side was that joy, love, devotion. Of course, then he received the exaltation. Then he was at the right hand of the Father. Then he comes back, all that great stuff. And the same is promised for us. But that's where that faith piece comes in. Do you really believe in Jesus? Do you really believe in his path and in his, um, who he is? That, hey, okay, in this world, there were some some rewards, but they were pretty limited. Right. maybe the biggest and best rewards are still yet to come in the resurrection. Are you comfortable with that? Are you, are you willing to wait on that uh, and pursue that the way Jesus did? And that's, that's pretty tough. And man, that's convicting to me. You know, am I, am I willing to keep losing my life right. in order to save it? Am I willing to keep laying down my life, my interests, my desires, so that taking this path of service um, can, actually, can actually lead, uh, lead me to the path of Jesus? Yeah. And I think that shows up, and, and maybe a good test case is, the poor people around me, the lonely people around me, right. the people that drain energy, that don't give energy, the people that need, that don't provide anything to me. How do I relate to them? That's right. Paul said in Romans 12, associate with the lowly. Right. Don't, don't set your mind on the high things, but associate with the lowly. How about that? I do like this next story at the end of Mark 10. Yes. Gives us sort of a real life picture of how Jesus, obviously the ultimate way he would do this was in his death on the cross. But leading up to the cross, he shows, even in the way he relates to his fellow human beings, That's right. how to be a servant, how to think about people with a servant mentality and a I-come-last mentality. Well, and, and the funny thing about it is this is the disciples' first chance to show that they learned, the mm-hmm. le- they took the lesson, yeah. and they fail. Right. Like, you know, yeah. so, so this blind guy is begging for Jesus' help, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people are rebuking him, telling him to shut up. Can you think of times like that where there have been people in need Maybe poor people, people who are struggling, people who have had uh, chronic issues that they've been dealing with, and you're just kind of like, "Hey, we got more important ministry going on here. We got more important work to do." Well, why are they thinking that way? Well, I think in part because they're still focused on the right and the left. They're still thinking that there's things about themselves that are more important than this poor blind beggar who doesn't have much to offer them on the yeah. side of the road. But Jesus says no. 
this is what it means to be the servant king. Actually, I'm going to consider this blind beggar more important than myself. Whatever plans, whatever uh, you know, work I had to do, this opportunity is more important. And, uh, and so he calls him to him and says, hey, what do, you want, what do you want me to do for you? And the man says, hey, give me my sight, please. Uh, and he says, and uh, verse 52, Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. We saw in uh, earlier in chapter 10 uh, a very wealthy man um, who couldn't enter into the kingdom mm. because he didn't trust Jesus enough to lay down his wealth and his possessions and follow him. Here's a man who has nothing. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's right. easier when you have nothing to recognize. Actually, this path of being a servant, following this servant king, is actually the path that leads to life. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah, this is a great story because it shows us the the lowliness and, and servant mentality of Jesus. While everybody else is saying, hey, be quiet. Like, I presume Jesus got more important things to do than help you, you blind beggar. Right. Jesus stops the whole parade. And that's it right. is a parade, as we're about to see in the beginning of chapter 11. Uh, it's a huge parade that's very significant and very important. And Jesus is a big deal. But this is what makes him a big deal, is that he cares for the lowly. He's a servant, that he gives his life as a ransom for many, and he showed that even in the practical things and the day-to-day -day things he did for people. I also love Bartimaeus, that the last time somebody made a request, Jesus asked the same question, same question he asked James and John, what do you want me to do for you? Same question here to Bartimaeus, what do you want? And Bartimaeus, he goes in and asks for something, right. but it's such a simpler, lowlier, more humble expression of right. really dependence. Not, I want to be elevated, but I want to depend upon you. And now we're going back to stuff in chapter 9 where he talked about being like a child. That's showing up again here. That right. to have that kind of mentality that's going to allow you to be a servant, to follow Jesus and to go in his way, you got to have that realization. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Have that blind beggar realization. Hey, give me what I need Amen. so that I can follow you, even into the danger, even into the sacrifice. Give me what I need so I can follow you. Amen. And you see that you see the impact of it too in the last verse. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Yep. The rich man walks away sad. The poor man receives his sight and follows him on the way. He recognizes that the healing Jesus is providing his eyes is nothing compared with the healing that he can provide to his entire life. Absolutely. And by giving him salvation through the Lord. Yeah. So they're on this journey, and they're headed towards Jerusalem. Um, you know, Jesus has been telling them, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Um, but as they're drawing near to Jerusalem, it, it doesn't sound like, uh, you know, preparation for a funeral at all. Um, it's quite the opposite. It's a picture of, uh, of, of a great celebration. Um, and, uh, and, and as they're entering into Jerusalem around this time of the Passover, uh, you should know that actually Jews, as they're going up to Jerusalem around this time, would be singing songs. They would be singing songs of praise to God. Uh, generally, the uh, Psalm 113 through 118 would be the psalms that they'd be singing to God um, in praise as they remember the great things that God's done for them from the time of Egypt onward, uh, bringing them out of slavery. And, uh, and as they are entering and heading up to the mountain, Jesus sends a couple of disciples ahead and tells them to go get a colt um, that's tied up, which no one's ever sat on, bring it. And Jesus then rides on the colt um, and, and rides on the colt into the city of Jerusalem. When the people realize this in chapter 11 in verse 6, 
um, in chapter 11 and verse 7, they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who were followed shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. It's quite an entrance. Yeah. You don't, you don't throw your coat on the ground for family right. or friends or servants. You throw your coat on the ground. I mean, dusty, dirty roads. You do that when royalty's coming in. And these people realize this is the Messiah coming. Like this is, this is a Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting out things that, that Jews would have recognized to be statements about the coming of God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. And seeking salvation. Hosanna. Save us, we pray. Right. We want that salvation. We want you to come through. And, and I do love this. And I love, um, obviously, the rest of the story is going to go. And these same people who are shouting Hosanna are soon, we presume they're going to be among the same people who are shouting crucify him. I'm sure some of them weren't there, but no doubt some of them were, these same crowds. Um, but at this point in the story, it is interesting that we've gone through all this stuff where Jesus is like, hey, you got to sacrifice. you got to be a servant. And I'm, I'm here with the, the blind beggar, and I'm riding in on a donkey, a cult, the yeah. cult of a donkey. Nothing fancy, nothing special. Donkey. Right, yeah, Let's nothing go. special. And yet here we have this, this tremendous... Um, exaltation and there's the palm branches and boy it really is reminiscent of what we'll see later in the bible story in the book of revelation where the people are gathered around the throne and before the lamb and they have their branches and all this kind of stuff and they're singing praise to the king there and i think perhaps uh jesus as he's orchestrating all this and leading this up he's trying to give the disciples a little he knows he's going to say later i know you guys are going to betray me he knows they don't get it but he wants them to have these memories of, hey, actually, all that stuff I said about being a servant, look at what happens whenever you live like a servant. There is a parade at the end. There is a celebration. There is a reward. There is an exaltation that comes. Yeah. When you make yourself low at the proper time, God will exalt you. And this is a little hint of that. It's a little foreshadowing of that. And it's important for us to remember because on your job, in your family, in your church, in your community, if you really live like Jesus, if you live like a servant, if you come last, if you put your interests behind the interests of others, as Philippians 2 says, many days you'll be like, this is not working out. I feel kind of discouraged all the time. I feel alone. I feel empty. I feel tired. It's not working. Right. I'm losing. I'm not getting the promotions that other people are because I'm, un I'm trying to follow Jesus on my job. Well, Jesus said, hey, one day there will be the big parade at the end. One right. day you riding on the baby donkey and one day you, uh, you know, being the servant of all and all that kind of stuff, one day it will lead to your exaltation and the celebration of uh, what your life has meant. And that's important for us to remember and to hold on to. And any Jew that's seeing this happen would have to think of the prophet Zechariah mm -hmm. and what Zechariah has said about how this is all, how it was all going to go down. In Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10, um, Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I, I, I just simply say this to say, Everybody that sees this happening knows this is the king coming. Yep. Like this is what God promised. The Messiah is here. And, and, and because of that, there's going to be peace. There's going to be blessing that comes from that. Um, but what they, what they didn't get, what they didn't get is that actually this work, this work would be accomplished through 
a cross. Yeah. They're expecting Jesus to come in on a mighty steed and stir up an army and go out and conquer all the nations around. But Jesus came to conquer their hearts, and he did that through this sacrifice of love. Again, it's a complete and utter reversal, and it's a fulfillment of the whole Bible story. Throughout the Bible, God has been showing us that actually the way to go up is to, to, to put yourself down, mm -hmm. to lower yourself. God will exalt you if you exalt yourself. God will humble you. And I, this really comes to a climax in the story of the cross. Uh, and it leads us, asking, leaves us to ask ourselves the question, am I willing to trust God enough, like, like Bartimaeus, like some of these poor people we've seen throughout the, the story of Mark, am I willing to trust God enough to say, you know what, I'm tired of seeking to be first. I'm tired of seeking to be great. I'm tired of seeking to promote myself, to live for myself, to... to, to uh, to, 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 to keep myself as the center of my life. And I'm ready to put to death the self and to, to get in line and to follow in the way of Jesus. Uh, that's my prayer, that we can take this and say, hey, like, hey, let's get in line. We'll get behind Bartimaeus and we'll line up and we'll follow Jesus wherever he goes. And I think it's so huge. The passage you read in Zechariah, there's an interesting word in there. We throw it around a lot in churchy circles and Bible reading and gospel circles, salvation. Right. I do think about, oh, on the cross, Jesus died for the penalty that I deserved in my sins, and he took on my sin, all that kind of stuff, and so I'm saved. Right. The people here, and, and that's what it means, that it, Jesus came in for salvation, right. Zechariah 9. Here, the people were praying, Lord, save us. Hosanna, if I understand that, that word correctly. Right. Uh, the salvation isn't just I got off the hook for my past sins. Right. The salvation of following Jesus is salvation from self. Amen. All this stuff, being a servant, emptying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus, that's who we need to be saved from. It's not just the bad stuff we've done in the past. We did the bad stuff because of us. That's right. The salvation Jesus provides, and the reason why we have to take this extremely seriously as we follow Jesus and why discipleship is, is not some bonus material after you get saved. It is, in many ways, the process of being saved in right. a lot of ways where you're emptying yourself so the Lord will save you as he leads you in the path of self-sacrifice, of servanthood, of selflessness. That's right. That's the salvation that we really need. Uh, certainly the forgiveness of Jesus, of sins, all that, but this is part of that salvation as well. If we want to be saved, we've got to take up our cross and follow Jesus like this. And Paul would say this, I think, really well later on when he was writing to Timothy in his second letter. If we've died with him, we will also yeah. live with him. If we endure with, if, with him, we will also reign with him. If I'll trust him enough to lay down my life now, the promise is eternal salvation. Yep, it's it. not just a one-time thing. It's not just a current thing. It's an eternal salvation. But I got to be willing to follow the lamb 100%. wherever he goes. And that lamb is going to lead to a crucified life. 100%. Yeah. Thanks, as always, for, for joining us in these conversations. Is there anything we can do to help you, whether you're here in Brooklyn or elsewhere, uh, so that you can know Jesus better, so that you can find answers to questions you may have, uh, to help you figure out how to actually do these things in meaningful ways day by day? We want to help, so please reach out, let us know, and uh, let's keep on doing our best to follow the way of Jesus. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.